Good evening, everybody. We are here with our first Q&A of the third month, session 158. The screen says Master Fourth, the year of the Lord 2023. So before we go into the questions, we shall look to the Lord once again. We shall thank him. Father, we just thank the Lord for this new month, the first four days. We are coming to the end of this fourth day, the first week. We just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Irrespective of everything we may see or feel going wrong and all around us, we know you are in control. Always. Absolutely. You reign forever. Your kingdom rules over the affairs of men. Therefore, we tune our hearts and minds to the King of Kings and to his kingdom. And I pray, Father, you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to answer these questions. It's come from all around, Father. And I pray, Father, you would, through the answers, many would be blessed. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you, Father. We commit ourselves and this time and these hearers into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. Yes. Uh, the question is on healing, Pastor. Uh, dear Pastor, I'm hearing all your messages and I'm also, and also some of the healing messages from some pastors. And this I'm so confused because one of the groups quote First Peter chapter two verse twenty four and say you have already been healed. So is it wrong to pray, Jesus, please heal me? Even we believe Jesus took all our infirmity and diseases. How can we pray for others? God, please heal me, or thank you, God, you have already healed him. And also, when we believe, we need not take medicine. When I started, I pray for I pray for anyone. I'm confused about how to proceed in prayer. Is it wrong to pray for my friend who is affected by some disease? Please answer me. Okay, there are two sides of this. One is, everything proceeds from what Christ has done. Anything man, post-fall, post-fall, everything that man receives from God is based on what Christ has done. And that's why he's called the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was mm. laid. So everything, not just healing, everything is based in Christ, the work of atonement. Otherwise, God cannot do anything for us, will not do his righteousness, itself will stop. His holiness itself will stop. But because of Christ's atoning work, which we see in time 2,000 years ago, but in eternity there is no time, yes. that's from where it all, all comes. Now, there are two things about it. One is healing. The other is health. Okay? The other is health. One is healing and the other is health. If you are sick, you need healing. If you are not sick, you need to continue in your health or move into better health. Okay? These are the two. But why can I receive healing? Because of Christ. By his stripes we were healed. It is based on an event that took place in the past. I can receive my healing now when I am sick. Why can I walk in health? It's again based of Christ because his word, that is Christ. See, in the old covenant, whenever you read the word, you can actually replace it with Christ. Proverbs 4 will say his word is 
health to the whole man's flesh. You know what that word is? That's Christ. It's Christ. Okay, he sent forth his word and healed us of our destructions, infirmities, diseases. What is that word? That is Christ. It is not God just sent his word. He sent his son, who is the word. It is all based on the atoning work of Jesus Christ. That's how he is. So if somebody is sick, is it right to pray for him? Yes, it is. Because the Bible says if anyone sick, then let him call the elders. elders. And the prayer of faith. What is the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is based on what Christ has done. Hmm. Okay, it's not prayer that heals. That's where faith comes. Let's just say the new covenant, faith is towards Christ. Repentance towards God because we all sinned against God. Okay, but faith is towards Christ. Why will I receive forgiveness? Because wages of sin is death and in between is everything. Between sin and death is everything. Sickness, poverty, everything is in between these two. Sin, death, in between is this thing. So faith in Christ is when Christ took care of sin, he took care of death, he took care of everything in between. Okay. If the cause and the effect has been taken care of, the entire process has been taken care of. So by his stripes, we were healed. Based on that, we are able to pray for the sick. Mm. Okay, so when you pray for the sick, you know, even if you yourself are sick, on how do you pray? On what is the basis of praying? Yes. His basis of praying is what Christ has done yes. by his Christ. But if you are not ill, though, our body, outward man is perishing. Yes. Okay, yes. That is a fact which you have to understand. Mm. Outward man is perishing, meaning whatever that entropy has set him. Okay, but the whole idea is you don't have to live in sickness. You have to fight it. You have to fight it constantly because it's like what the Bible says, the shield of faith, the devil's, devil's fiery darts. And Acts 13, 36 will say. Acts 13, 36. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The other one. 10, 36. So 20, 26 yeah, or 36. Uh, 10, 30, 38. 10, 38. When Jesus Christ went about doing good and... Now Jesus, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So you need to realize, the devil oppresses, like the devil can tempt, the devil can oppress. But be by our own actions, which stepping outside the word of God, inviting sicknesses into our yes, lives. Yes, yes. That is why the Bible says the whole wor word the word is health to a whole man. Okay, so if you look at the children of Israel and above all Moses, he's walking in the whole council of God, and he's eating only. I'm sure he never ate quail when it came out of their nostrils. I'm sure he never ate of it. <laughs> okay, so you can see that he's going by God's prescribed. That's what he says in Exodus fifteen twenty six. That if you listen to my voice and obey these diseases that was on the other side, that will not come to you. So you have a picture of an old covenant person that who is walking in it, walking in it. Okay, then you have a picture of Jesus. You don't see Jesus sick. You don't see Apostle Paul sick. Though he's yes. getting beaten up. Okay, so you see, sickness is one thing, excuse me, wounds are something else. So when you're persecuted, you're beaten up, and he's left for dead, you need to understand, he rises up and he walks again. He didn't say he woke up and then he was in bed in with a fever for seven days. 
Okay. Wounds which you receive because of persecution is one thing. Sicknesses is something else. But for sicknesses, there is healing. And yet, remember, in the last days, in the days in which you are living, it's not like the days before. Like, I'm, I, was, I was telling my wife, I don't remember taking a tablet. I don't remember when was the first time I took a tablet. The first time I went to a hospital was when I was injured in a football match. They carried me to the hospital, came back with a big bandage. It was a big show, you know, this thing. <laughs> then all of school... Plus two, undergraduation, I cannot remember taking a tablet. We were not sick. We were not sick because the environment was clean. Mm. Water was clean. I mean, in Tivandrum where we studied, where we studied, you could take the water from the tap and drink it. Mm. We had no purifier or anything you could drink. And at homes, of course, we drank water straight from the wells. Everything was organic. Everything was... So this question of falling ill was isolated to certain sets of people. So I don't remember falling ill until modern times came in. That is when our eating habits changed, our lifestyle changed, everything has changed. Yes. And uh, mm. that is what brought in sickness. Now you cannot avoid it. We are living in a thing where practically everything is polluted. Not just polluted, it's poisoned, literally poisoned. But again, you have to go by faith. That's what Mark 16 says, 16, 17 onwards. Yes. Feet and the deadly mm-hmm. thing, it will not. Yeah. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will, uh, it, um, it will, uh, they drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay, lay hands on the sick and they will reverse. There's two things over there. One, you are poisoned. But you will not fall sick. It won't hurt them. But on the other hand, you lay hands upon the sick, they will be healed. So all this is by faith. Mm. And our faith is going to be attacked constantly. Constantly going to be. Does it really work? That is why the Bible says, above all, in Ephesians 6, above all, take up the shield of faith. That's that's our first line of defense is a shield of faith, the fiery dart. Symptoms will come. Okay, symptoms will come. Now summer is coming. We are transiting from winter to summer. It is hot. Mm-hmm. And no, our system is trying to adjust to it. Yes, you have to do what we have learned to do with it. Drink lots of water. Try to stay in the shade. But you also have to spiritually fight it. Right? You cannot expect fire to come from heaven, which is what God alone can do, without Elijah doing the practical things which God has told yes, him to do. Yes. There are two sides of it. That mm. is why a book of Leviticus is given. Okay, you're going to live in the land, the land flowing with milk and honey. You will have rain in your season. You do all these things. And then God gives them an entire dietary law. I will not bring the diseases that I brought upon Egypt upon you. Okay, fine. Now we can eat whatever we want. No. No. You have to listen to my voice. He said, listen to my, my voice. voice. I have told you how to live, how to eat, what not to eat. All these things are there. Of course, in the new covenant, we can go and say that, yes, by this one act, Jesus cleansed everything. And the Bible says, yes, it is true. But the question is, do you really believe? Because the Bible says it through prayer and by faith, the food is sanctified. You have to bring word, faith into it, faith into it. I'm telling you honestly from experience, 
Sometimes eating at home has become more dangerous. I'm not talking about my home as such. My hometown, like in Hyderabad, is more dangerous than on missions. In missions, when you go, you live only by faith. Because you don't know what is going to be presented before you, what it is, what oil. It's completely new. But honestly, I cannot remember except once in all these years falling ill. And at once was before the mission started on the journey. But never falling ill on missions. And also the people who are with me who were actually had history of diseases, I told them they couldn't eat and all. I told them, now you will eat because you are with me. So I will cover you. And they started eating and through the entire journey, they ate stuff which they were not told to eat <laughs> and they never fell ill. Because you only can resort on faith. Yeah. The problem is when we come home, we put faith in the in the closet. But we don't realize we are not allowed to live like that. We cannot compartmentalize our life. So our life is a life of faith and healing is one of the things one of the things which God has. Why is it so important and why so it's important in ministry when you lay hands upon the sick? It's because that's the first thing we are aware of. When something touches our body, that is the first thing that we are aware of. More than the mind. Mind is a different thing. But body will be very, very conscious. Very conscious. So God also reaches out and touches there. So when Jesus went out in ministry, these are the two things he sings. He will say, heal the sick. Worst case scenario, cleanse the lepers. And deliver those who are demon possessed and raise the dead. So he covers it all. <laughs> he covers it all. What words can you go? Okay. And then the Bible says, this is what Isaiah had written. That he took our, he bore our infirmities and diseases upon himself. And then we bring 2.24. So both are there. Because if you are sick, the Bible says, call, call. And there are various causes of, you go to James chapter 5. Over there, right? James yeah, 5. 13 onwards. 13 onwards. 13. 5.13. Yes. Is anyone, okay. So let him sing. Next verse. Anyone's. Is anyone among you sick? So, this is talking, not talking to the Gentiles. Not talking, this is talking to the believers church. in the church. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there are sick people in the, even in the apostolic church. There's no condemnation if you're sick, except it's a fact. Oh, <laughs> you know, if you're sick, just call the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay? And the prayer of faith. faith. Okay, so there is one, the calling of faith. The elder who comes has to pray in, in faith, faith, and the one who has receiving has to so receive it in faith. So everywhere that this faith has to be mixed. Mm -hmm. If faith is missing, it will not work. Okay, because faith is missing, that means you have not come to God. Mm -hmm. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. No doubt about it. God say he will be forgiven. If God forgave you on the cross when you repented, he will forgive you. So he says, so sins can be a reason of reason for sickness. Now, it is not a general prescription. Some diseases can be because of sin. Some diseases. Now, the thing is, what is sin? Whatever is not a faith is sin. Okay, whatever. So, who is that man who walks 24-7 by faith? Christ. So, we are, if you look at it that way, 
we need to realize we are all vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. That is the reality we need to accept. Can you and I actually, like hypothesis, can we walk 24-7 by faith? Yes. Practically, does it happen? No. Not it cannot happen. It, yeah, it cannot us. happen. Okay, there are men, there are men of God who walk like that. I'm not just talking about Apostle Paul in the past 2000 years. People are like Smith Wigglesworth and all the mighty men of God. Their statements are like, like, it stun you. Smith Wigglesworth will make a statement like, I never pray for more than half an hour. So what kind of a man is, this is a man who raises the dead to life and he says, but never does half an hour go in my life without praying. They will make statements like this, okay? Statements like this. A man who will not allow even a newspaper to enter into his house. He says that is of the devil. In this house only the word of God prevails. Mm-hmm. And you can understand why these people never fall, fell ill and could even raise the sick and the dead back to life, okay? So, so it is that kind of faith. Mm-hmm. But so you cannot say it is not possible because Everything is possible what the word of God has written within the ambit of God's will. We are only restricted by God's will. But if you look at God's will, it is so huge. Mm. Like it's like it's first presented in the Garden of Eden. You can eat of all the trees. That is God's will. One tree, don't eat. So that's how huge (coughs) God's will is. And if you read to the word of God, healing is God's will. And it's one of the first statements Jesus makes when he comes down from the mount, sermon on the mount, are you willing? He says, I am willing. I am willing. So we have to look at those things. Yes, when you pray for yourself, you make your proclamations. If you are sick, you pray. Because if you, you cannot deny reality. Mm. You cannot deny reality. Then what you are walking in denial. So you accept a fact and then address it with truth. The fact is, I am sick. Mm. What is the truth? By his stripes, we were healed. Mm. So there is a truth that happened. So I accept a fact and elevate truth over it. Now the question of medicines come. The question is, again, it is your faith. It is your faith. Okay. Now Look at the medical science. Look at the doctors and look at medication. The question is, who is giving them this wisdom? Where is who is the source of it all? God is the source of it all. Mm. Okay. What does the doctor basically when you go through the entire radiology, whatever test, what do they tell you? They will only basically they are making analysis of in your system what has gone wrong and how to put it right. That's right. Right? That's all they are doing. So if you see anything demonic in it, I don't see anything demonic in it. Okay. Now the question is, do you have to go through it? Some cases, yes. Some cases, no. Now, like the, the often the constant example that I use is that, couldn't God have uh, healed Hezekiah through a word? Yes, could have. Then why did he ask him to make do something there? Take fix, make a poultice, or it is basically making a medical preparation paste and put it over that whatever that sore boil that was killing him. And then he was healed. 
Okay, so God is not per se against it. But I would always say that instead of falling ill, walk in your healing. Mm. Go to Proverbs chapter 4, 20 onwards. Mm. It's one of the most powerful verses in the, in the old. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Okay? So it's talking about something. He says, if you walk in your word, what should naturally happen to you is like, like, like today, Sajid was talking to me about the green car. And he was telling me, sir, it's time to retire it. But if you look at that green car, it's 15 years old. And its retirement has come. By law, retirement has come. And the other one also, the black one. But if you look at those cars, they don't look old. They don't look old. And the reason is, why are they like that? It has got to do with maintenance. Mm. It's maintenance. Okay. If you look at how he maintains those vehicles, no. It doesn't matter who is driving in it. Unless you are rushing into somewhere, if it is driving, if there is one sound, he will stop on the side, get out and go check where is the sound coming from. That's how careful he is about. Now, if we were half careful as he is with the car, with our own bodies. okay. So, God says, there is this maintenance part. I given you a body. But so if you yeah, maintain yeah, it according to these standards. instruments, okay, this is the manual. If you maintain it, it will run well. Yes. Run well. Okay, run well. If you go to Deuteronomy. Okay, if you go to Deuteronomy. Final chapter Talking. of that man. Okay, yes. I like that. What a statement. Eva. 34. Okay. Deuteronomy 34 and <coughs> verse 6, if I'm right. Okay, is it 6? Yes, yes, yes. 7, 7. Mm. 7. This is, seven is after six, okay? Six is buried. And then the statement of this man who was buried. He was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Okay. Now, if you look at this man, this is his, this man's entire life can be put into three brackets. 40 years of indulging in every flesh of Egypt. Every meat possible, every unclean thing he ate, 40 years in the palace. Then 40 years of fasting in the wilderness. In his father-in-law's house. Nothing of that available here. And the next 40 years eating manna. Okay. So if you look at it, the ill effects of his body, in the third quarter, he overcame it by faith. By not touching anything other than what God told him to. Told him to. (laughs) And if you look at it, there are other psychological reasons. One, he Always walked in mercy. Always. You need to realize diseases have its own spiritual ba, ba, cause. Ba, ba, ba. Mm. Spiritual cause. Okay, that's why we have to be very careful when you have diseases connected with your stomach. Okay. This is the seat of your spirit out of the belly. Okay. So don't be angry. Don't be offended. Be merciful. You will save yourself from a lot of diseases. 
lot of okay lot of diseases you will be okay i'm not saying now don't say somebody is over oh, now i wonder that one has a stomach problem no don't make it analyze analyze your own lives don't be a doctor on duty leave it alone okay but what i'm saying is he walked in mercy he was not offended so if you look at the practical spiritual things which one needs to walk in which will avoid a lot see the devil knows how the system works he knows how god has created us and how it works so you know what there are spiritual roots to many many diseases okay so that's why if he has sinned now sin is a spiritual thing mm. so how does a spiritual thing that is a sin cause a disease in the body because sins can cause diseases <sighs> yes, in the yes, body yes. okay and can have cause crippling diseases the man who was carried by god says your sins are forgiven pick up your mat and walk the man was sitting there crippled for 38 years don't sin again something worse will happen to you so sin can cause crippling diseases too but that doesn't mean every crippling disease is because of sin it could be simply because of eating disorders or genetic defects that is passed on but everywhere faith has to come in see you need to realize everything was passed down from adam down and as the time is going on there's a breakdown it's getting worse and worse god's solution in christ is a change of father resurrection yeah see god's solution is a change of fatherhood mm. so these are the things which we have to wake up to every day and ask who is my father yes mm. who is my father if your father is god then from god flows everything but if you are very proud of your ancestry <laughs> everything that is bad in the ancestry also will pass on to you okay that is why the bible says if any man is in christ jesus the old things have passed away behold all things but that also would demand a change in life our old way of life old way of thinking all old way of reacting to a situation old old or no because like we'll see here tomorrow again a recap of what we heard yesterday because worry causes diseases anxiety causes diseases fear causes fear because of fear hearts will fail i mean they can have a heart attack a stroke and die okay so when god is saying don't 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 he is the manufacturer telling the model this is the way you need to function because if you function this way the engine will cease you need to understand that is why the bible says fundamentally you have to believe god is good and all he tells us is good and even if you don't understand it just receive it by faith and just obey and then you will see the effects long term effects yes. you see when you are young when you are young and when your parents tell you do this 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 you don't like those things because there's not no fun in any of those things but when you do it sheerly because you love them and you respect them and you fear them then it becomes a part of your lifestyle in your old age you look them up and you will thank them and you realize why is this car running so well in this old age is because when we were you were young when you were young you received all this okay so youth has a huge thing to play youth has a huge because you know when you are young if these things let's see, you see the first thing uh, you see daniel in his 90s going on his knees and pray but we forget daniel in his teens refused to eat anything unclean yeah 
Okay. Mm. You have to connect this both. Okay. That's a spiritual part of it. That's a practical it's part of it. Yeah. A practical, physical part of it is there. Mm. This man, as a young teenager, when he's offered the banquet of Babylon, the king's table, he refuses to eat it. Yeah. And at 90, God is still using him to intercede for a nation. And he prays on his knees. Yeah. Why is he able to do that? Because if you look over here, in the same story, 40 years, the people were craving for fish. And I mean, think about what fish and what meat these people ate. What kind of fish and meat Moses ate? <laughs> if somebody should be craving, Moses. Moses should be craving. Because he ate in the king's table. Mm. And these people were slaves who were given tidbits so that it would work harder. And they are craving this. This man craves nothing. Mm. Craves nothing. Okay, so this is how you have to handle it. So yes, there is faith, there is sickness, there is health. And you have to balance it all. Every day, wake up and make what we say, st- statements of your faith over your body. Over your body, this is your body. Okay? Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We take that holy part and connect it with a certain category of sins. But acceptable, we also need to accept other things that happen with our body. What you eat, what you drink, all those things. Okay, And then when you have no choice and this is what is <coughs> before you, every time you receive it with thanksgiving, with prayer, and by the word of God, believing actually it is sanctified, it will not do you harm. That is the life of faith. Mm. It's a life of faith. Okay, And then have even as a discipline, not just a spiritual discipline, as a discipline, a life of intermittent fasting to give your system detox it. to detox. And if you look into Jesus' life, he was it was there in his life. Mm. He was a man who constantly fasted. You can see from certain incidents that he has eaten. He goes in the evening, sends them all, and he goes and comes back only the next. That means he skipped dinner. Yes. His brain. You will see often these things. Bring all these disciplines, spiritual disciplines in and live by faith, the fact, and also motivation. The simple motivation is, why do you want to live long? Because you want to fulfill God's purpose. Yes, motivation. That intent matters. Why do you want to live long? I want to live long because I want to serve God till my last moment. I don't want my life being cut short or my life because of my disobedience. I am, you know, what happens, you no know, vehicle that keeps on stopping on the road. No, because I always say, I mean, I always say is this. If you look at Moses, let us put Moses into our times. Let us take 120 out. Let us put 90, 30 years in Egypt, 30 years in the wilderness, 30 years after that leading the children of Israel. So he lived, let us say he lived 90 years. A normal year today, man can live 90 years. But he was most actually fruitful from 60 to 90. Yes. Okay. Well, the world thinks you are fruitful 30 to 60. So total. And by 60, they retire you. Because that's how they think you are fruitful. 30 to 60 is when you are fruitful. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. It works the other way. But Jesus finished his work at 33 and he left. But that's a different work mm-hmm. he came to do. But actually, if you look at it, 60 is when you really, really start. Mm. 
surrealism. Even that. with the apostles, yeah. Peter, John, all of them. No, because <laughs> that is when you really start understanding how the kingdom of God. You really have years of experience behind how the kingdom of God functions, and then. But the problem is, sixty to ninety. This till sixty, if you didn't take care of your body, when you should be most useful, they will set you up, and your body is not cooperative. Body is not cooperative. Wow. Yes. Okay. So that is where so that's where motivation matters. Mm. Why do you want? Why do I want to live long? Yeah. Because I have a race to run. I have a I have a purpose to finish, and therefore I know, Lord, I need to keep my body fit. Body fit. Okay. Yes. Joseph became king at uh, the prince of Egypt at thirty, but he died at hundred and ten. So for the next 80 years, as long as he is prince of Egypt, Israel never have to fear anything in Egypt because he is in charge. Think about it. Think about it. There is no term limits in monarchy. Yeah. Okay. Until All you know, are you good or not? Are your mind working? So you have a righteous man as prime minister of a nation who enters at 30 and he has got his own family um, household over there. When he rules for the next 80 years, 80 years, how two generations have grown up mm. under him. Mm. Why is he able to rule for 80 years? Is because he's kept himself also physically fit. No. Physically fit. Okay. So you need to realize this is how you work work it out. Okay. So every we we have to realize God has given us something into our hands as a trust. And what he has given is the greatest message ever. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. Mm. So we are duty bound. We are containers of that vessel. And that vessel is taking this news to the ends of the earth. And therefore, this is where motivation oh comes. Boy, thank you if we don't see it that way, we will, we will not see what is the reason for maintaining this body. No, it's like, sports superstars. Once they are retired, they are retired forcibly because they won't retire, so they are forcibly taken out of the team and a year, two years later you will see they are all out of shape. They are not able to do anything because motivation is gone. Mm -hmm. Motivation was temporal. But our motivation was is eternal. So there is motivation to fight for health and faith for healing and how do you fight this personally? Your confessions you make over your own body. Everywhere faith comes. See, I wish Jesus had done that too. He cursed a tree and the tree dried up, right? I wish he had spoken to a tree and it had grown up also. But what he's telling you is the power of words when you believe and speak. And when they said it is right, he said have faith in God. If you ask anything, and if you do not doubt in your heart and believe that you have received it, he will have whatever he desires. Wow. Now your desires are, of course, controlled by the, the will of God, mm -hmm. the will of God. And when you look into it, it is God's desire. Uh, Third John 2. Yeah. And you prosper in all things, okay. even as your soul prosper. Yeah, I know. Verse 3 onwards, I guess. 2, yeah, Third John 2. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray you may prosper in all things and be in health just as you are. And be in health. 
See, be in health is, is God's will. But he says, it is not just health, God's desire. See, this is where I say, you know, depending upon what you believe. If you don't believe prosperity is the will of God, you will not prosper. Yeah. You will not prosper. So your mind is set by what you believe. Mm -hmm. So that is where belief is the most. What is your belief? Okay. And your belief should come (laughs) from what God has (coughs) spoken. And you take this and you need to believe. You know what? It is God's will. I should prosper in all things. It's God's will. Okay. See, the only thing you should remember is that Persecution for righteousness sake is something you have to factor in. Yes. Other than that, you don't have to factor anything else in negative. It is God's will that you prosper in all things. It is God's will that you be in health. health. But it is all conditional to one thing, that your soul prospers. Mm-hmm. That your thinking will be ultimately decided by what you believe. Yes. If you believe structure is wrong, your thinking will be wrong. And if your thinking is going in one way, but your heart is contrary, it will not work. Because for a believer, for a man or a woman in the kingdom of God, your heart is what is important. A man believes in his heart. So your belief structure has to be. If you believe it is not the will of God for me to prosper, you won't prosper. Because your thinking will automatically go that way. If you believe it is not the will of God me to be in health, then you will not change your thinking towards health. You will be always preparing for sickness. Mm. Always preparing, eventuality, eventually preparing for sickness, preparing for sickness, preparing for sickness. Always preparing for sickness. But if you are believe that health is God's default setting, then you are thinking health. You are not thinking sickness. So you, it all matters. That's the prosperity of the soul. Your soul will, your, everything is connected with your soul prospering because your soul is the, your real you. Okay. But God has rebirthed you now in the spirit. Now the soul has to change according to what? Like I said yesterday, humility is not just thinking that you are nothing. That's one part of humility. One part of real humility is I am nothing. The second part of humility is that I am everything God says yes, I am. Yes, yes. People have only one part of humility and that is destruction. I am nothing, which is true. I, the old man, is nothing. Two, I am everything God says I am in Christ. And that is true humility. Exactly. Okay, true humility. So Jesus is a truly humble man. The son can do nothing. Yes. But the son can do Everything, Everything the father says or the father shows. Hmm. Paul can do nothing, nothing, but Paul can do all things. things in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. That is humility. Okay, That's humility. But peop- the people in the world may call it pride, but that's not pride, that is humility. Hmm. Because I can do all things in Christ Jesus is going to happen only when I have died. The old man has died and the new man is rising up and his entire identity is in Christ. Hmm. And health is part of it. Prosperity is part of it. But the whole thing is that your soul has to prosper. Your thing, that's where the renewing of the mind the Bible is talking about. Your mind thought in a particular way. That mind has to change. Constantly change and learn to think as God thinks mm. about you and wants you to think. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, because you're talking about humility, I think it's a very good question. Question number two. 
It's a beautiful question. It says, Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such as such as one in the spirit of meekness. The spirit of is the spirit of meekness the spirit of restoration. Will it help restore your marriage, your family, and every other relationship? What is a meek spirit? Is it taking reproaches, persecutions, rejections, etc. in a cheerful spirit? Instead of getting angry, upset, and irritated, uh, you offer forgiveness and love to that person. Am I on the right track, Pastor James? Please expand on this for me. Okay, let's go. Good day, beginning. Okay. Spirit, the spirit of meekness is not the spirit of restoration, mm. but it makes restoration possible. But let me tell you about restoration. The only one you can actually restore is yourself. yourself. Yep. Whenever there is a second person's will involved, then it takes two, two people. Two people. Okay. So it becomes a little more difficult. When there are three people, it becomes even more difficult because the different wills, different personalities are all involved over there. But the spirit of meekness really can help in bringing restoration. But there is no guarantee it can bring restoration. Jesus was the meekest man on earth. Yes. And before him, Moses was the meekest <coughs> man on earth. Moses' meekness did not bring any restoration with either his family, his leadership, or the congregation. Because they were set in their ways. Okay, But the fact was, because he was meek, he could walk with God. See, this is the, this is the, the greatest value of meekness. It can bring restoration in marriage, restoration in church, restoration in office, restoration in all these things. But that is not his biggest thing. The biggest thing about the spirit of meekness is that it enables you to walk with God who is meek. meek. Okay, Because Jesus said, I am meek, meek and, and lowly. lowly. And God is meek and lowly. So you can walk with, with God. And the other thing about the spirit of meekness is that, yes, if you come to the second part of that question, it, it can take reproaches, persecutions, and rejections. In a cheerful spirit. Mm. Okay. It can, it can, it can handle meekness. The meek spirit can handle it. That's why the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. Yes, yeah. Okay. It, it can handle the meek spirit can, meek does not mean weak. Okay. It does not mean weak. Okay. Then Jesus is a weak man. He's not a weak man. He's a meek man. Okay. So meek spirit is able to handle all these things because the reason is, how do I put it across? It never forgets where God picked you from. See, whether you are the richest man <coughs> in the world who was saved or the poorest man in the world who was saved, both were picked from the miry clay. Spiritually speaking, both were picked from the pig pen. Only one was materially poor, another was materially rich. The meek spirit understands that. Meek spirit understands that. Therefore, it is able to show mercy to the others. Mercy to the others. Okay? Because why is Moses able to show mercy to the people? Because he is able to realize God has shown him mercy. He knows 40 years 
I was an Israelite, but I looked like an Egyptian. And I too was part of their persecution. Okay. So now he understands where they are coming from. So he always stands in the gap for them. Okay. David is able to show mercy. He's able to show mercy. He's constantly. He's, this thing with Saul is a different thing because Saul is a man who is anointed above him. So he refuses to return. But post Saul, if you look at all his acts of mercy, you know, acts of mercy, is because he realizes, I was just a shepherd boy and God preserved my life and put me in the king's throne. <clears throat> okay, king's throne. And now I need to show mercy. I need to show mercy. Only those who have shown mercy and understood they have been shown mercy will have a meek spirit. See, this is our fundamental issue. It's like, uh, I think Derek Prince makes one of these statements. Now he says, uh, for a long time after he got saved, he thought God was very blessed to have him. Because he was from King's College, Cambridge. <laughs> and he said, then God had to humble him because World War came. He was conscripted into the British Army and he had the lowest rank in the British <laughs> Army. He was an orderly. Unpaid orderly. Because conscience he refused to fight. So he was in the medical corps. So suddenly he realized you are lucky that God saved you. It is not the other way around. Okay. Somehow this has got into our heads that no, actually God, you got a good deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is our issue. This is our issue. No, you have to be brought down. You have to be brought down. Okay. So <laughs> meekness to be truly meek. That's why, if you look at David, is never offended. He's never offended with whatever God does. He's never offended, and God loves. He's a man who never gets offended with Shemai or. Nathan coming and telling him, you won't build the temple. He never gets offended because he's always he's shocked like the mercy God has showed me. Okay. And if you have a realistic picture of what we are before, before God, <coughs> okay, you will be able to read it. It doesn't matter how much God prospers us or lifts up in before people. Never forget, like we said, never forget where we came from. Okay. That's what the Bible says. The Ephesians, uh, 2, 8 and 9. Should be true, not only in the beginning of our faith life, all through our life. Mm. By grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, <coughs> it is a gift of God, <coughs> not of works, lest anyone should. Meaning, all through our life, we'll have nothing to boast about. Because it's all given by God as an act of grace. If it is faith, First, you need to realize only faith will be counted when we stand before God. Nothing will be counted. Only the life of faith. And if it is faith, it was by grace. Both are gifts. Grace is a gift. You cannot earn grace. Even if you have great faith and appropriate great grace, the grace is free. <laughs> you worked on your faith to make it very strong. But the grace that you receive is somebody else's. You not, you don't have grace. Okay? Are you getting the picture? You worked very hard. You made a lot of money, but the money was somebody else's. It was not your money. Okay. So without money, you cannot function in this world. In the same way, without grace, you are a loser in the kingdom of God. So no one will boast. 
Nowhere is boasting. No one can boast. That is what keeps you meek. Exactly. That is what keeps you meek. So this is where we need to understand. You no. Know? So there's a very interesting verse. Uh, if I'm right in James chapter one, very verse nine. It's a very interesting verse. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> Only by faith you will understand, understand this is true. But let me ask you this question. Is this our default setting? Yeah. Is this how we think? No. So we still haven't really believed in so many parts of scripture what God is saying. Yeah. I am lowly. Basically talking about poor. If you are a person who doesn't have many resources and you are lowly in position, wealth and everything, you are actually exalted hmm. in God's sight. The rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Why is the lowly brother exalted? Because positionally, he is in such a wonderful place where he, be he can become yes. rich in faith. Yes. Rich in faith. And faith is the only thing that matters in the kingdom of God. You have to understand, it's not, it's not an isolated scripture. You have to compare scripture with scripture, because how can a lowly brother glory in his exaltation? Now, we saw last week a situation like Jairus, okay? He's a rich man, probably, definitely, and he's a ruler of the synagogue, okay? So, he's got position in the society, he's got money, but his little girl is about to die. And there is Jesus full of faith. What can Jairus do? Okay, what can Jairus do? So, Jesus is a lowly brother, he will be glorified and exalted when you reach a point where your money and your power and your influence can do nothing which faith will work. Well, the rich man should be, is actually in his humiliation. The problem is the richer, I mean, I was working on this yesterday and today and I was saying, I was thinking, you know, you should never be born rich. You should never be born rich. You should become rich, but you should never be born rich. Because the problem is, if you are born rich, you are living in an atmosphere where you don't need faith. And you will not learn how to walk by faith. Because money has been substituted in the place of faith. Yes. Because if you have money, I don't have to trust God for house rent. I don't have to trust God for a job. I don't have to trust God for a car. I don't have to trust God for provision. All I have to trust God is for forgiveness of sins. Because almost everything else money will take care of. And almost point of death diseases, I may have to trust God. Everything else, my money will handle it. So if you are born in a rich kind of situation, actually you will really struggle in the kingdom of God. That's why the young rich man walked away. Away. On the other hand, if you're actually born into a poor kind of a situation where you do not have resources, automatically you're born in a very conducive atmosphere if you're a believing person to trust God on a day-to-day -day basis. Lord, today's flower and oil is finished. Lord, I'm believing you for tomorrow. So you know what? You're automatically born into a situation, conducive situation where faith can grow. That's what the Bible is talking about. Only if you see that way, lowly brother glory in his exaltation 
and rich in his humiliation. His humiliation is when, and his exaltation is when, when they, when you stand before God, you will realize, this man exercised so much faith, and it's a giant of faith over here. This man had hardly any faith, just faith to be saved. Because he was not born in a conducive atmosphere where faith. So, ideal situation is to be born in a kind of a normal kind of home where you have to trust God in so many things. You grow in faith. And then if God chooses to prosper you, because laws are set by which you can prosper, like David, you never ever forget Forgive the him. loss of faith. Yes, yes, yes. Loss of faith. That you always think yourself as poor in the spirit, though you may have many resources. In your spirit, you are always dependent upon God. Doesn't matter how much money you may make. Because you have grown and disciplined yourself in a life of faith, even if you prosper and you become, let us say, a millionaire, your lifestyle of faith never changes. You are still dependent upon God because when you prosper, you go to God and ask, why did you give this to me? Why did you give this to me? Because I know I am just a steward. So you have given to me for a reason. Would you please tell me what is the reason? Why have you given? But if you have grown in riches, you will grow up into an entitlement mentality. Mm. Okay, mentality. And then riches itself becomes becomes your security. That's where James has a lot to speak about the rich and the poor in this one letter. In chapter 1, he will speak. In chapter 2, he will speak. In chapter 5, he will speak. Let yes. the rich howl. He has a lot to speak. And he's not talking to the people in the world. He's speaking to the people in the church. His people in the church. Okay, so he's saying it's a very dangerous situation because we are called to live by faith. Mm. We are not called to live by money. Though we use money, we are called to live by faith. But this, this terrible situation is there. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve two masters. So the simple question is, how does a rich man live by faith without serving his money? It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. <laughs> it's not an easy thing. It's not an impossible thing too. That's why Jesus said it is easier for That's a camel right. to enter through the eye of a needle mm. for than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And all mm. of them sitting, listening, wanted to be rich. They said, who can be saved? God said, I will show you. What is impossible with God is possible. So it's an incredible situation where he saves the poorest man and the richest man in one shot, as he enters, mm. he saves Jairus, oh sorry, Zacchaeus, yes. as he gets out, Bartimus. he saves Bartimus. He mm. says, all things are possible. Because God is not a respecter of people. Only thing is, money shouldn't touch your heart. Mm. Touch your heart. If it touches your heart, you are gone. You are gone. So, meekness mm. is that attitude, primarily that attitude, where you are always aware aware that from where I'm, the meekness of God and the meekness of man are not ide- identical. Okay, God is meek because that is his character. Okay, <coughs> character. Excuse me. We are meek because we look at this God who humbles himself and wants to fellowship with us. And uh, we are 
we are stunned. See, there is, see, you cannot really have genuine faith without meekness. Because meekness again exactly. is conducive, what you call atmosphere, or the atmosphere that creates for faith. Yes. Receive with meekness, yes. the yeah, Bible exactly. says. Okay. Now if you talk about the Roman centurion, Jesus yes. was amazed by his uh, faith. Right? He says, I'm a man under authority. I shall go, go, come, come. You don't have to come. You know what he's basically? He's a meek man. Mm. The Jewish centurion who accepts, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Faith and pride are incompatible. That's, that's he actually <laughs> understands eh? But remember, he's a Roman. Mm-hmm. The Romans are ruling the Jews. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Romans are ruling the Jews. I mean, think about 100 years back. Okay. Let us say, transport me 100 years back. And I'm preaching on the streets. And a British officer comes and tells me, uh, my servant is sick. And I say, okay, I will come. No, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Put it into our own perspective. Then we'll understand what's happening. Mm. A British officer says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. And he will look back and says, wow, this man has faith. This man has faith. Okay, This man has faith. That's the scenario that is happening over here. So all these things factor in. See, that's what I said. You have to look into the word of God. You have to look at what God is saying and then you have to start believing it. If you don't believe it, you will not change. You will not change. You will not change. It's, um, if I'm right, it's Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Let me meditation of my heart. Be acceptable to you, Lord. Pardon? Yeah, no, 1914. Yeah, 1914. Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the... Did you see that? Meditation of my heart. When God tells Joshua, meditate upon my word day and night, he's not talking about his mind. Yes. Mm. You can meditate upon the word day and night on your mind and never touch your heart. Because the faith is in the heart. Mm. Heart. It's your heart that believes. That believes. It's the heart that actually has to change. So meditate. What is it meditation? I mean, let's tomorrow is Sunday. Okay, tomorrow is Sunday. When the word begins, people will be all sitting there. But the question is, where is your heart? Where is your heart? You could be looking straight at the pastor, but your mind would be wandering everywhere because your heart was not set on God. That's why the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So, this Faith is connected to the heart. So when the Bible says meditate upon something, no, it is not talking about, it's not that you're not taking your thinking process out completely. But even if you think properly, if it has not permeated into your heart, it still will not work. You will just flip. You will just be what you call a double-minded person. To be a single-minded person the whole thing has to permit in your heart. Now your heart is controlling your thinking. But if your heart is not really changed, your thinking, you will be, that's what the Bible, see, every, you go to James chapter 1 and verse 5. 
So it's a principle five. It's a principle that, yeah, five uh, and six. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay? But condition it. It's a principle. Condition it is. Let him ask in faith. With no doubt. Okay? Now, this is, people don't realize five and six is a, is a such powerful promise. See, when you go through life, what you need is wisdom mm-hmm. to make decisions. Okay, wisdom to make decisions. And the fact of the matter is, 99.99% of believers are not bo- born like Solomon. But everyone has access to the wisdom greater than of Solomon. Yes. If you have faith and you ask God, God says, I will give it to you. You need to understand what faith means. Why God is actually saying, live by faith, walk by faith. Because the whole thing is this. Wisdom is not inculcated in college or university or much study. It is given to by God as an act of faith. Look at the poor people who cannot read or write. They also have to make quality decisions. How do they, how will they function? The simple thing is that God says, you ask me. I will give you without reproach, liberally. But when he asks, he has to ask in faith. Mm-hmm. So when wisdom, it is faith. Because in most of life, what you and I need is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Healing, it is faith. Resources, it is faith. Mm-hmm. You bring anything into the word of God, you look, wow. Whole life seems to be factored with faith and God has brought faith into everything. Because this is what, because see, much of my missions, when I go out on mission, not much, almost all of my, 95% of my missions is with very poor people. So you have to give them hope. Give them. And I always begin with this saying, faith comes from mm-hmm. hearing. I said that's the first step of hope because God, if God had said, Faith comes from reading. How many of you can read? Then they'll all laugh. Because most of them can't read. Most of them can't read. So is God kind? God is kind. Why? You all can hear. Can hear. That was how it was always meant to be. Because until a hundred years back, nobody had a copy of the Bible. They all heard. Nobody had. Even Joshua is telling, meditate upon the word day and night. Even he doesn't have a copy. Where is he going to go from the Levites and grab the copy and bring? No. He says, when it is being read, listen. Carefully keep listening. <laughs> this is maybe one chance in a week you get to listen to the word. Listen very carefully. That is why the entire preparation of the Sabbath, the preparation of everything, because you know what? Everybody gets to hear once a week here. Nobody has a copy. The king had a copy. The priest had a copy. And the time of and the copy also was lost. So everybody had to hear Everybody had to hear. So that is that is where the kindness of God begins. Faith comes from hearing. So when we are hearing, the reading of the word of... See, even when the epistle was sent, let it be read in the churches. You think they all Xerox and all had copies? No, they didn't have a copies. In that church, maybe somebody scribe sat there and copied and passed on. So the letter to the church in Philippi, Thessalonica gets... You need to understand how the church functioned and the Jewish nation functioned for hundreds of years. Nobody had copies. If somebody had a copy, he was a very blessed man. One synagogue would have one copy. 
rich people would have scribes who would sit with parchments and all, but nobody had copies. Mm. But everybody could hear. And that's where it begins. So when you hear the word of God, when you hear the word, that's the whole thing. When you hear the word of God, like today, I, I like this Q&A because like if you are in GTC, we begin Q&A by 6 o'clock worship. We finish by 8, 9. By then you should finish your dinner, pray and go to sleep. You have prepared for Sunday service. You have created a spiritual atmosphere in your homes. And you are not wasting your Saturday evening shopping and money. You will, of course, distract it. You will come to church. It will be a struggle for the worship team to get your mind tuned in. Then the pastor to preach to your heart. Very difficult. But if you set like the Hebrews were Friday evening to Saturday evening. So Friday evening, everything ceased. Everything ceased. There is no more work. Now you need to ask this question. Why is everything ceasing on Friday evening? What is happening on Saturday morning? The reading of the word of God. So they could listen. You need to realize on the first pulpit mentioned in the Bible, when Ezra stood there and read scripture, they were weeping. So you need to understand what was their attention. Hmm. They were listening to the reading of the law and they were being convicted. And That is where hearing comes. That is where hearing comes. That is what the Bible, the hearing of the word of God brings faith. Hearing of the word of God brings faith. And once faith comes in, only we will start actually understanding what God is saying. By faith we understand. It doesn't mean our mind grabs all it, but by faith we accept. So good God is always good. He sent a son for me. I don't have to understand. I just receive what God has said and one day I will understand. Mm. That's Joseph. And he says, you meant it for evil, right? God meant it for good. Now he can't say that then if he had it, accepted it by faith when he was going through his torment. God is good all the time. God is good. God is good. God is good. I don't understand what is happening, but I know you are good. Therefore, it will turn out for my good. This is how conviction, that's what I said, convictions are not in your mind. Mm. Convictions are in your heart. When we're talking about heart, we're not talking about, it's a spiritual entity. And I believe heart is somewhere here, out of the belly. That's the spirit, spirit man. So the Bible also say about Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart. Isn't that what's written? Purposed in his heart, he will not defile. So these convictions have to be in our heart. And meekness is also in the heart. It's in the heart. A meek and a contrite spirit. That spirit is in the that the what you call the new Peter will talk about the inner man of the heart. Hidden man of the heart. Hidden man of the heart. Okay, so we have to focus on that person. That person you have to focus. Because the world manipulates the mind. See, artificial intelligence cannot touch the heart. Can only touch the mind. So all the people who do not have this deep rooted convictions in their heart will be manipulated by artificial intelligence. And all these doctrines or demons come. Why do people flip? Because their faith has not given deep into their heart. They look at it and say, I know it is not true. How do I know? I know it is not true. 
You know, it is not true because I have seen in my heart. This is what God is. His convictions are deep in my heart. Yes. That is why God says, deposit it out of the heart, he says. Out of, not the mind, not all this has a part. But you can be, uh, you can know something very strongly in your mind and have very powerful emotions and still not be saved. The demons know there is only one God. The demons know Jesus is the Holy One of God. Demons know Jesus is the Son of God. Demons know Jesus is the one who is going to judge. Demons know they are going into the bottomless pit. And demons tremble. But they have no heart. They have no heart. No conviction in their heart. So you need to realize you can have absolutely correct doctrine in your mind and be emotionally be trembling and not be touched in the heart. That is Esau. The Bible says with tears, but he could not bring a change of heart. Now don't get panicking and all that. We are not talking, okay? Don't panic about it. Always focus on the goodness of God, okay? Always focus on the once you are in the kingdom of God, stay safe. Like it's very difficult to get lost. <laughs> Once you are in very Unless difficult. You're deliberately yeah. in. Why it's so difficult to get lost is because there is a shepherd who will come after you and find right. you. Even if you are lost. So Jesus puts this reassurance in there. Okay, so don't immediately look at that fiery part and, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, and start panicking. Okay? God is good. But you need to realize these convictions have to settle down into our heart, that new man. And then the mind has to start thinking that way. That is a renewal of the mind. And then you're good. You're good. Once the mind has renewed according to your heart, faith, then actually you are good. But that is the battle that goes on every day. But a double-minded man, the Bible says, Luke 6 verse 7 says, he calls him a double-minded man. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from God. Why? Because he's a double-minded man. Why is he a double-minded? Sometimes he goes with the convictions of the heart. Sometimes he doesn't. So his mind is flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. And he cannot. So the whole idea is to become a single mind. That is the renewing. How do you become a single mind? By having those convictions make you think that way. And I always think about, no, these sons of Judah are brought over there. They are young boys from Jerusalem has lived in under torment for so many years. Now they have traveled a thousand miles, brought over there, dry rations, whatever they ate. A selection committee comes in, whole lot of them are pit, put, picked in and put into the royal civil service, put into the best university, and they are going into that dining hall. The dining hall is opulent, and they are looking at all of it. <laughs> but one boy is looking at it complete. See, these are all patterns in the Bible. It's like David coming there, Goliath says, who will challenge me? David is looking at him with completely different eye according to the convictions in his heart. How dare this uncircumcised Philistine dare defy the... He's he's looking from his conviction. Dan is looking from his conviction. He purposed in his heart. He's making a decision. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what is going to be the end of this matter. But one thing I have decided, I'm not going to eat this. Mm. Did you see that their thinking is shaped by their convictions? 
and how you see and perceive is also based on your convictions so david was able to see a situation completely different and he's not a soldier and all these soldiers are seeing things completely different because they have no conviction about the god of israel Daniel is able to see that table completely differently because he has very strong rooted conviction about the God of Israel and my body, I should not eat anything that is unclean because I have given my body over to him. So your convictions is going to shape how you see and how you think. So that is where faith is. And that is where the hearing of God. So each time you hear these things, you have to receive it by faith and say, Lord, I believe this, please help me. I need grace to become that. That's what the Bible, that's what grace for. You cannot become that. You need grace to become that. What faith does is it, it appropriates the truth of who God is. And then it looks, if only sees that, it will panic. My God, who can handle truth? And then the Bible says, grace and, and truth came with Jesus Christ. Now you have seen the truth again by faith. Now you turn to God and say, Lord, I need the grace to keep this truth one day at a time. And I also know that if I fail today in keeping this truth, I also know I can come back to you with boldness and receive mercy. Yes. So everything is factored on Christ. Mercy is because of him. Truth is because of him. Grace is because of him. You put it all together, it becomes a life of faith. It becomes a life of faith. And therefore, inside you are able to see, the Bible says, the inward man is being transformed. Though outward man is perishing with time. You're moving from strength to strength. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. And your hope of glory is increasing. And it is not, it is not a random thing. It's really true. Yeah. Let me ask, let me ask you tomorrow in the church in the question. How many of you have a hope for a crown in the kingdom of God? It's Nobody is saying, are you competing with, nobody is competing with anybody. It is your hope. My question is that if you don't have the hope, why is that you don't have that hope? These are questions we should ask. Paul is very clear, I have a hope. I have a hope of the crown of righteousness. Yeah. Where did this hope come from? Where did this hope come from? Because when he looks inside, he realizes. The inner man has really, really changed. This inner man now thinks, talks, walks, lives like Christ. Like Christ. Christ. Mm -hmm. That is the hope of my glory. It doesn't matter what people say, lying in prison, beaten. It doesn't matter. The outward man doesn't matter. The inward man. Inward man. So where is your hope? (coughs) So these are all connected. Okay. And when you start living like that, actually the issues of the temporal world doesn't bother too much. Mm. You will learn how to handle it on a day-to-day basis. Yes, Pastor. Let's Pastor, go to the next the, question. The next question is again on because you're talking about shepherd and the Lord will not leave us. Mm. It's very interesting. The same question is being asked. The shepherd uses his hook. Uh, crook, crook, crook. That to, is the shepherd's yeah, crook, crook, crook to also... Uh, hook out sheep that have fallen into a bush or crag. If we carefully listen to the word of our shepherd and follow him, we will not get into any mess. Mess, But if we have strayed or lost our footing, he does not leave us there. His comforting and uplifting word is there to lift us up and out of the mess. Behold, I will bring it health and cure and I will cure them and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 6. 
Why is it that we as Christians don't listen to our shepherd? We know better, but we get so hardened and bitter. Why is it that we don't listen? See, the like always, I personally see this is the personal issue which we as Christians, believers face. If you go to Second for Corinthians chapter five and verse, look at this: a lizard moving around. Don't get scared. Okay, it's just a lizard. Five seven, five seven. We walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, we walk by faith and not by sight. But the issue is, we are caught in a realm of sight. Okay, realm of sight. When it talks about faith, faith talks about one, God, who anyone who comes to God. Thing is that when you come to God, you cannot see Him. Yeah. Cannot see Him. So the God to whom you is unseen. Second, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom cannot be seen. Okay. You and I are asked to live in a realm that can be seen and yet walk and live in a realm that is unseen. This is our struggle. Honestly, this is our struggle. Which the people in the world don't struggle. They struggle with only when their death is coming very close and on the other side they don't know, so they get more and more religious. They're trying, depending upon their beliefs and convictions, but usually during life they are not worried about the unseen. They only go to the unseen only to get something in the scene. Other than that, they have no issues with the unseen. And they are simple people. Like if you look at an average, our neighbors, our Hindu neighbors and all, they wake up in the morning, they wash their front, everything, they make all the designs, everything is basically inviting the gods of prosperity to come into their house. Okay, But it's all got to do with the seen, nothing with the unseen. Hmm. We are not that. We are called to walk in the unseen. Let the unseen define your life. Hmm. Life. Okay. Now, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul makes this statement. Look in the slide. Okay. Mm. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now what has happened is that though God has promised all these things, all these things will only actually bring meaning into a life when you are walking in the unseen. That is why Christians are the most miserable people. <laughs> miserable people. <laughs> Okay. Miserable people because, because they cannot enjoy the world. They cannot enjoy the world mm. and they don't enjoy the kingdom. <laughs> but God says if you enjoy the kingdom, you'll enjoy the world. Mm. Actually, you'll understand the world. Mm. Okay. He says if you understand the kingdom and stay focused on the kingdom and be actually useful in this world, he says you will understand that these three factors will control your life. First is righteousness and then peace and joy. And this this, the world can't do anything about it. The world has no control over it. You can take a person like Paul and Silas, put them in prison, but they are righteous, they have peace, they have joy. But the problem with the world is that you are not righteous until somebody tells you are righteous. 
Yeah. You go to a temple. We all have gone in our old days in temple or monastery or something. You do all this thing. The priest or the lama gives you something and now you are declared righteous. He declared you righteous. Hmm. Otherwise you are not righteous. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he has to do something before he declares you righteous. Then you feel good. Somebody declares you are righteous and there are so many acts that you have to go through. Okay. Now, because you declared righteous, the peace you have will not even last five minutes when you get out. Something will upset you and your peace is gone and your joy is also gone. God is offering us something which is the righteousness that is of God by faith. And then he says, peace, not like the world gave and not like the joy. Okay. But we don't want that. It's not that we don't want that. We want that. We want this. We want the righteousness that comes from religion. You have to declare me righteous. It starts right from classroom. Uh, today, this question, who knows the answer? Me, sir, me, sir, me, sir. You want to be declared righteous. It starts from there. Oh, otherwise, this one is partial. Sir is partial. Principal is partial. Master is partial. Very, very All good. this thing has got to do with the old man to be declared righteous. See, nobody wants the righteousness that comes by faith because the problem is if it's the righteousness that comes by faith, we are all equal. <laughs> this is the problem with faith. Faith, we are all equal. And, but in this world, nobody is equal. Mm. It's a dog-eat-dog kind of a thing. Everybody is competing with everybody. In the kingdom of God, there is no competition. Competition is strictly forbidden. You cannot compete with one another because each one is running their own different race. Even in one worship team with 10 people, 10 are running 10 different races. You can't even compete in a worship team. Because each one's race is different. So until you get these concepts in, you need to realize, you know, it's a very liberating thing if you actually understand. Wow, you know, the minute I come to Christ, competition is gone. I don't have to compete with any. I don't have to prove I am better than anybody. I just have to prove myself to God. Do what? He has called me specifically to do. So you know there is a hope for a pauper and for a king that both can get identical grounds. A person who is unknown in the church, the person who is most known in the ministry, both can get identical crowd. You know why? Because competition is taken out. These are liberating things. But the problem is, if our thinking is not changed that way, if you look at the question, if our thinking is not changed that way, you know what? We will become hardened and bitter. Hardened and bitter. Okay. So what happens if we listen? See, this is the whole thing. If we were to just... See, because God may have a different call on somebody else does not mean you have been disregarded. <coughs> you have been disregarded. It is his purpose in that part. That's why the final word discourse of Jesus in Gospel according to John, mm. right? What about, what him? about him? Immediately, what, what about him? Jesus. If he is alive till I come back, what about what you? What is that to you? You follow me, that's it. You follow me. My purpose <laughs> with you is different. My purpose with him is different. <laughs> Immediately, you know, one can sit on that. A mother comes very religiously, one on the side. 
See, they're bringing that in. It doesn't work like that way in the kingdom. Okay, so this is this is enormous. What you say, comfort that brings. You know what? I'm running my race. I'm running my race. So honestly, if you understand that, suddenly we realize. You know what? You know what? My purpose is with my brother or sister who's running my running his or her race is to encourage them and to edify them. That's it. Hey, we are all in the same race, but not the same race. There are enough seats in heaven, enough thrones in heaven, enough crowns in heaven. You don't have to worry. I'm there with you and I'm there for you. I'm not against you. It's such a liberating thing. Actually, that concept came into modern grading. If you know, that's when they took this first rank, second rank, third rank and brought GPA in. Mm-hmm. See, once GPA comes, suddenly you don't know who is first rank, second rank, third rank. You're only graded according to performance. <coughs> okay, But in heaven, you need to realize, when all these parameters will come on the day of judgment, all these parameters will come. How did you run your race? Were you in competition? Were you trying to elbow others? <laughs> Okay. Did you edify? Did you encourage? Were you upset because that one was recognized? You were not recognized. All these parameters will be there. Parameters will be there. Once we understand, I'm honestly telling you, it's a very liberating factor. Very, very liberating factor. So you know what the Lord says? He says, just listen to me. Listen to me. But we have to get, when he says, do not love the world, meaning the way world looks at life. It's a completely different. The whole world is caught in a rat race. Absolutely rat race. And we cannot think that way. So living in this world with the precepts and principles of the kingdom of God is not easy. That's the only way we are called to. That's why the Bible says, I told uh, two Sundays back too, and God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we need to understand how does the kingdom of God function. Like I said, no competition. All come from the foot of the cross. Only thing that is considered is faith. Okay? So how and that works in love. And the second thing is his righteousness. <clears throat> in the world, it is not when Samir in his company, if he gets best employee and put picture, it is his righteousness. It is right. But if he's given a chance, okay, we're having a party for Samir, Samir say a few words, then if he says, it is not true, it is not me, it is my God who lifted me up, then he's passing it on, to, then it becomes his righteousness. That is where, but everywhere in the world, what is being complimented is your righteousness, yourself. And after, after some time, you know, it gets into our bones. It gets into our bones. And we start hunger. And that's why people want money. <coughs> the question is, why do you want money? Other than security part. What do you want money for? What do you want money for? Okay, like I said, one thing about money, money has to be spent. If you hold Ford. money in your... That's what the, the rich people are indicted by James in five is because they hold it. Mm. If you bring one crore rupee notes and keep it it's totally useless. That's why God tells the steward, why didn't you put it in the bank? Because if you had put it in the bank, it would have been used. Others would have borrowed and others would have made something in the same way. What did you do with your faith? Mm. 
You cannot hold your faith. Faith has to be spent. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You cannot hold your faith. You will be indicted on that day. You holded your faith. Why didn't you spend your faith? You had faith, but you didn't use it. Why didn't you use your faith? If you use your others would have been edified. And remember that one woman who came through the crowd, touched the hem of his room, Jesus come and tell my daughter, your faith has healed you. And the, the Bible says, after that, many touched the hem yeah. of you. know what? She spent her faith. And because she spent her faith, and Jesus brought her out from and showed it, you know what? So many others were blessed by her faith because ignited the faith in them. That's what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is talking about. It's hmm. a poor woman. She had nothing at all. All she had left was faith. But that little faith, she spent it. Once she spent it, it touched the lives of so many others. And so many others got healed because of her one act. So God will ask an account. Ask an account. Why? So God says, you see, why is it so important to listen? Is if you don't listen, you will not hear. If you don't hear, faith will not come. And once faith comes, act on it. Spend on it. Spend it. We get hardened and bitter because we want to. That's James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Hmm? Let not. No, no. Um, is it 4? Four? Four, yeah, 4 1. Four, yeah, because we are, according to our own last. Yeah, we have 4 1. Four, 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 four. Where do wars and fights mm -hmm. come from? See, all this is being talked talk to the church, okay, mm -hmm. not the unbelievers. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. ask. And then when you ask, verse mm -hmm. 3, you ask, you do not receive because you ask. Amiss. Amiss. Why? Because your eye was only on the temporal. Mm -hmm. Then you get hard and you get bitter and say, Ask of God, He didn't answer my prayers. I'm not going to church. That is wrong with me. <laughs> I went full. I've come up empty. The Lord is against me. Don't call me now. I am bitter. Come on. <laughs> you went <coughs> You left the promised land. And you, it is your actions that are caused and you're still blaming God. You know? Blaming God. So that's why we need to understand. That's when people become hard and bitter. Because God said, I am there for you always. But we cannot untwist God to change his convictions to meet our needs. That does not happen. You see, people say prayers change God. It never changes God. Prayer changes us. Mm -hmm. Never changes God. Mm -hmm. God can never change. No, it actually changes us. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 37. Delight in the Lord and He will, and he will give you the desires. As you delight in the Lord, you know what? Your desires change. Pastor, I think question number four again is very nice. Beautifully placed. Because we're talking about vision, purpose, etc. And a goal which is different for everybody. It says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, says the psalmist David. Our life on earth is like a race. <laughs> a man who is running has a destination in mind. If a man is running without a goal, he must be crazy. In a Christian walk, we should have a destination. Psalm 27 verse 4. 
That is to dwell in the house of the Lord. Some people may act like they are going somewhere and have a destination, but others are in such a bad place in their life, being beat up, being abused, young children, young adults. How do they even get to the point to think, God has promised me peace in the midst of all this? Okay, these are actually two different this thing about those who are abused and this thing. Okay, the first thing, they have to come to the point of salvation. They have to come to salvation. Okay, it's not. I'm not saying it is easy. I'm not saying it is difficult. But they have to come to God. There has to be a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit in their lives where they are set free from that orphan spirit. Set free from that orphan spirit. And they actually get to know Jesus as their Savior and God as their Father. Okay, that's the first thing. Sometimes it takes time. They need healing. You no, know, they need deliverance. All that, but all these things are there in the kingdom of God. All these things are there. Okay, you see, that's what Jesus' entire ministry is a ministry. If you look at Luke chapter four and verse eighteen, he's giving his manifesto of his ministry, which is what we all continue for the past two thousand years. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the kingdom manifest. So this is what kingdom does. This is what Christ does. Okay? He comes to those who are poor. Who are those poor who have no ability to defend themselves? They are at the end of their resources. And everybody actually has to come. That's why it's very difficult for the rich to come into the kingdom of God. It's not because they are rich, but because they don't need God. And they have to come to an eventuality in their life where their riches, their position, their influence is not going to work. Naman was a man. He was great and rich and this thing. And then he was a leper. All his position... And all his wealth, everything has worked for all these years, he's going to lose over leprosy. And he has no power over it. And that's when he hears there's a prophet in Israel. So you need to realize, even in God in his mercy with rich and powerful people, he will bring them into a situation where their influence, where their power will not do anything. And they will need God. At least the time day. But for the poor, like I said earlier, it's much more easier. So the gospel is first to the poor. And the poor, the abused, the wounded, they have gone through so many heartbreaks. And he has come to heal the brokenhearted. Okay. And they are captives. They are captives of the situation, the circumstances. Everybody is bossing over them. They have no freedom. But he says, I have come to set the captives free. Because freedom is not primarily outward. Though it is experienced also outward, it's part of it. But it is primarily inward. Okay, if you have everything, now like even today, how many celebrities are dying? And they die very young. Look at today also. So I saw in the news so many 37, 40 years old. Celebrities dying. The simple question is, what is that they didn't have? So the thing was, they were all captives in their mind. They were not captives outside. They had everything. But they were captives in their mind and ultimately they took their own lives. Okay, so the whole idea here is that, like another person, like example, like Paul or Silas and all, they all could be captives outside, 
but they are not captives inside. They are really free. So God is coming to proclaim liberty to both kinds of captives. Mm. Those who are captives of outward circumstances and those who are captives of inward circumstances. He is there to set them both free. If you are a captive of your inward circumstances, he comes and sets you free. If you are a captive of your outward circumstances, whether it is Peter in prison or Paul and Silas in prison, God actually intervenes and set them free. If you are a leper, you are a captive. You cannot be go back into your society. You are a captive of your situation. There is no way you can have a normal life. Christ comes and cleanses him and restores you. So everywhere Jesus is in the ministry of setting captives free, whether it is in the mind or whether it is in the body. Mm. And recovery of sight to the blind. That's what was the main thing he wants to do. He wants us to see. So you have many instances of blind people being healed. Mm. But there's only one instance of a blind man after receiving his healing, following him all the way. Though one man wanted to follow, Bartimaeus follows Jesus. But the others you do not hear. You do not hear. But that is the recovery of the blind, sight to the blind. We actually see. Remember the blind man's testimony in John, I was blind, but now, now I, I see. see. Okay, that is how they see. Now we are able, actually when we are able to see the eternal, understand the eternal, and it gets in closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And we should be able to be able to see. And when we see the eternal, then we start factoring the temporal in the light of the eternal, we have sight. Mm. Otherwise we still do not have sight. That's what he tells the Pharisees. You claim to see, but you don't see. see. And therefore your sin remains. Your sin remains. If we are not able to see the eternal and the eternal affecting our temporal decisions, we are blind. Therefore salvation is opening up an eyes to the eternal because the kingdom of God comes. And he tells Nicodemus, unless you are born again from heaven, you cannot see or you cannot enter (laughs) into the eternal. That's the kingdom of God. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So all this is part of the gospel. Part of the gospel. So if you go back to the question, first they have to be set free. They have to be set free. Okay. okay. If you if if you turn with me to Acts chapter nine, the most beautiful passage that would explain this question. Okay. Acts nine. Got it? Mm. Yeah. Verse three onwards. This is Saul of Tarsus. As he journeyed, he came, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Okay, it begins with light. Okay, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why you are persecuted?" First, there is light, then there is voice. Okay, there is a why are you persecuting me? And he asks, "Who are you, Lord?" Then the Lord said, "I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats." Hmm. So trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city. You will be told what you must be do. First thing he wants to know, that's talking about purpose. What do you want me to do? He says, you're not ready to know your purpose. You're not ready. Because there are so many things in your life from which you have to be set free. Set free. 
Instead, arise and go to the city. You will be told. Now, it is not told at that point how many days it will take for him to be set free and when he will know his purpose. In his case, it took just three days. But there is a time, even for Apostle Paul, to have an encounter with Jesus, a season of deliverance, knowing of purpose. Okay? And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And then, verse 9, Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight. Now, he is not able to see. He is not able to see. But he is actually able to see. <laughs> yes, because he is already okay. able to see. Like he is in a typical kind of ICU kind of a situation. <laughs> He's now able to see what, because like last time, remember, I told you about what Saul did. I'll give you the list. <coughs> you, you guys, remember, you brought different lists to us here. Acts chapter 26, verse 10 onwards. This also I did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. You have to look at what he did. See, no other place in the Bible so clearly mentioned what he actually did before he became a Christian. And when they were put to death, when they were put to death, how many Christians? We do not know. I cast my vote against them. Next verse. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This is what he did. This is what he did. And while thus occupied, now he's coming to Syria. As I journeyed to Damascus, because when the chief priest found that there is a young man who's four zealous with him, we can put down. You now we have in all religions, we know there is, will be one leader who is the head of persecution. And the chief priest will allow, they will stand in the background and allow them to do the killing and the beating, the looting, the burning and all. That is Saul. This is what he did. This is what he did. This is the man. This is the man who has an encounter with Jesus Christ. As I was journeying, commissioned from the chief priest, words of God said, at midday, okay, along with on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than sun, shining around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew language. Now more details are coming out. God spoke to him in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goat. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen. Now he's combining both. First encounter with Jesus and what is happening after three days. He's putting it all together. And So don't say this is what Jesus told him in the beginning. No, this is not what Jesus told him in the beginning. He's putting it all together. Mm. But three days later, once he has actually been delivered, he's baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. 
his told purpose. God tells him his purpose. Okay. So there are people who are abused and beaten and all kind of situations. They come into the kingdom of God. They need to be told and shown and given the pathway to healing and deliverance. But they cannot stay there. Because if you stay there, you will fall back. Because you always need to have a purpose. Even in the world, people who succeed are people who have a purpose. But that's a temporal purpose. That's what Paul is talking about. In this world, all are not crowned. Yes. But those who run their race, they run for a corruptible crown. crown. So God understands. He created us. He understands what happened, the fall of the man, everything. So he gives you a purpose and he offers you rewards. Mm. So post-salvation, there are rewards that are mentioned. Rewards that are in the book of Revelation is full of rewards. There are rewards mentioned in other books also. So that is your motivation. Because these rewards are forever and ever. And then you are given a goal in the kingdom. This is your goal. But each one has to discover. And it doesn't matter what your purpose is. That purpose does not make somebody else's purpose greater or lower. Your purpose is your purpose. Mm. Again, like we said earlier, your purpose is your purpose. Find it and do it to the best of your abilities. That's all you have to do. But you have to give it your everything like you would do for a temporal crown. So the entire thing is put in terms of a race. Put in terms of a race. Three, four times Paul will use the word race. And Doc tells you about first the things that can hamper your race. That will be the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews 12.1 hamper. Then Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 onwards, he will give you a whole list of things about what you need to do about the race. In Corinthians 9, again, he will tell you what you need. So that is all got to do with that goal. What is the goal? The goal is, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be an overcomer. That is the goal. I want to be an overcomer. He who is Revelation 21 and verse 6, 7. 7, 7. Hmm? He who Okay, and the Father puts this. 21.7. Okay. He who overcome shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. So the simple question says, you have to, as you are saved, the teaching has to go. People have to ask themselves, study the word. What is that I have to overcome? He says, he who overcome shall inherit all things. What is that I have to overcome? Then you realize, I have to overcome my flesh. It's my biggest enemy. Second, I have to overcome the devil, powers of darkness. I have to overcome the world. And you realize, how do you overcome? How do I overcome flesh? How do I overcome flesh? By overcoming sin. So how do I overcome sin? By faith. Whatever is of faith is not sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So faith is how I overcome sin. How do I overcome the world? 1 John 5, 4, by faith, all those who are born of God overcome overcomes the world. This and is what is our victory? Faith. Our faith. faith. Then how do I overcome the devil? First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9. How do you overcome the devil? Yeah, mm-hmm. be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like hey, okay, seeking whom resist him steadfast in. So you realize, you know, when See, only when you start deeply thinking, you realize, why does God say live by faith? Because his father, he says, you can overcome. And when you overcome, you will receive rewards which are eternal. By faith, you overcome sin. 
by faith. See, the flesh is not the issue. The flesh is not the issue. The issue is the flesh causes you to sin. If the flesh does not cause you to sin, then you have to handle the flesh. Yes. Alright? See, you cannot take your flesh away and throw it away. Your flesh will be with you till you die. But if you can cause it not to sin mm. or not allow it to reign in you in sin, allow it not to manifest in sin, you have succeeded. So the whole idea is that I do not sin. I have to overcome sin. Okay? Now how do you overcome By sin? Faith. By faith. How do you overcome the devil? By resisting him in faith. being steadfast in faith. How do you overcome the world? Faith. So you realize, see, when God is, we have to give, no, God is very smart. <laughs> Okay, and God is always good. So when He's telling His children, live by faith, walk by faith, because it is in the unseen realm, and sometimes we don't even experience it or not experience it, feel it or understand it in the natural. The fact is that if you actually walk by faith and live by faith, even in one day, 24 hours or one hour in one day, you walk by faith. You overcome your flesh, you overcome the devil, and you overcome the world. You just replicate it. Multiply, exactly. And in the process, a purpose will come. And you actually become very effective in your purpose because you are taking care of the things that became constraints. Okay? Constraints. That's what, why is Paul one of the most effective, I mean, let's put Paul aside, let's take about Jesus. Why is Jesus the most effective servant of God? Because he overcame the flesh every day. He overcame the world every day. And he overcame the devil yeah. every day. But he didn't stop with that part. But he also went forward in faith and fulfilled the purpose of his mm. father. But because he overcame this, this became easy. This, if, if this is the only thing that you are doing, it is still negative. Yes. No? There is sins of commission and sins of omission. Mm. Okay. Do you, did you do anything bad? No. Did you do anything good? No. no. Mm. <laughs> that shouldn't be life. That shouldn't be life. Okay? That shouldn't be life. Life should be there. Okay, I overcame on this side. And second side, I fulfilled God's purpose in my life. Fulfilled God's purpose in my life. And there is always room for mercy. That is where we are not talking about being perfect. We are talking about being blameless. We cannot be perfect. It's not possible to be perfect. But we can be blameless. Okay. How do we become blameless? When we receive mercy, the blame is taken away. We go before God, we repent, we acknowledge, we accept, we receive mercy, the blame is taken away. If the blame is taken away, then we become blameless. Mm. That is one first Thessalonians five and verse twenty three. Okay. But we have to go to God. Okay. And Hebrews 7, 25, 23, 24, and Hebrews 7. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will do it? He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. But to do it, what should we do? Hebrews seven twenty five. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God, to come him. to God through him. through him. Since he always loves to make intercession, so we have to go to him. And come, God says, come boldly without 
Don't come, don't be afraid. He said, keep coming and receive mercy and grace for every day. We have to go to him. If you go to him, he will save us. But if you try on our own, we will never be saved because we can't. It's not possible. But So we have to keep rising up and going, rising up and going, rising up and keep going back to him. And you will realize, you know what, we are not only receiving mercy, because we go to him by faith, grace is being released into our life. Released into our life. Just think in practical terms, okay? Every day, you are hungry. But every time you go to your father, he gives you 100 rupees. He gives you 100 rupees. Okay? And you realize, you know what? Okay. Thank you, Daddy. I got 100 rupees. Now I can go and eat. I'm not hungry. And you ate for 50 rupees. And you realize I have 50 rupees. And again, you're feeling hungry. You know what? You go back to Dad. He still gives you 100 rupees. You eat for 50 rupees. Now you have 100 rupees left. This is what we talk about. Reserve grace. <coughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Reserve grace. Okay. Because when the day, or the, let us forget day, when the moment of evil comes, you will not have time to run. You should have had factored grace in. You have already through faith stored grace. That is Jesus wakes up and rebukes the wind. You have no time for a fasting and prayer meeting to tarry on the Lord or anything because you have to, if you are going to tarry, the waves will carry. <laughs> you have no time. You So you need to realize this is what is happening because your faith, you know exactly how to react in faith now and there is grace reserved. And this is how God is calling us to leave. Keep coming, keep coming. Each time you come, you know what he deposits into our life? It's grace. Go to Hebrews 4.16. What he gives us is grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find and grace to help in, in time of... That's what we need. Whatever need. What is God's solution? It's grace. Yes. How do you receive grace? By faith. Hmm. By faith. But we are afraid, oh Lord, I failed. God says, receive mercy. Hallelujah. Everything is in Christ. Receive mercy. Why? He is forever making intercessions for you. He is not forever making condemnations over you. Only intercession for you. But Amen. if you come, he's able to save you to the utmost. Keep going. It's a process. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You see, we know all this in the world. First day you went to school, you felt as if you learned nothing. By the time one year is over, you think you have learned so much. But how did it happen? Are you able to quantify what you learned each no, day? No. 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 Because you kept on going, kept on going, kept on going and there was tests and there were trials and testings of faith. And then when the annual exam came and when you finished, you throw the book away because you say, I know it. But how did it happen? But in the process of learning, you were not aware that things were getting in. Right? Things were getting in. You couldn't quantify it. Faith is like that. You keep on going to God. Keep on going to God. Keep on going to God. You know what is happening? You can't quantify it. But actually what happens is you grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in faith. And when trials come, testing first time trial came, you failed. And you cried out. God lifted you up. 
and then over times you are realized that trial doesn't bother me this is the same trial it doesn't bother you first time you panic now it doesn't bother you why because by faith you have learned how to handle it and you are now this is what the bible is talking about because if you keep on going with to god and then going with god it will become a life of faith and when trials and testings come you will be able to handle it but where you fall again you have mercy it is coming from the same throne both mercy for your failure and grace for your success is both coming from the same father what is mercy let's put it in english uh, our common language what is mercy for failure mm. what is grace for success mm. these are the two things we always face in life mm. either failure or success everybody wants success when i try i fail god says don't worry i'm your father come to me but how can i give because you believed in my son because the price for your mercy has been paid by my son and unlimited grace also has been poured because of my son you can come to me any time and you can come without fear boldly so for my failure i have mercy for my success i have we don't realize how simple this life is and we are wasting our time and energies instead of using faith they are using sight and sight is terrible sight is terrible honestly let me ask you this question why do people study so so that they can get a job with that knowledge and then make informed decisions in that job what is if you lack wisdom ask it think about it ask it with all the education and skills when situations were there solomon asked god and god said this is what you need to do i'm not saying education has doesn't have its meaning <coughs> but you know what faith overrides everything if only I, it is not talking about being lazy and all no don't faith will not make you lazy no. please don't no. misunderstand that faith will not make you lazy but people do not understand the power of faith he has made the poor rich in faith think about it people are investing and doing this and doing that and doing to become rich and god says i have made the poor rich in faith <laughs> people are going and doing five year phd's post doc to acknowledge for a doctor and god says ask me i will give you wisdom questions are just too much <laughs> if only we understood what what because what is faith actually do faith appropriates the life of god and makes it your own that's it that is galatians 320 right 220 mm, yeah Or if you the life student, yeah. no, the life of the Son of God. <coughs> I have been crucified with Christ. That is the most difficult part. Get me <laughs> out of the, crucif- out of out the, the way. <laughs> Nevertheless, I live. God is not interested in um, robots <laughs> or artificial intelligence. He says, <laughs> I want to, first, I want to get rid of that old you Self. so that the new you can express yourself because that is made in the image of not I. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, if you look in this world, though every moral climate, ethical climate, spiritual climate, everything is going 
really, really down. Only one thing is going up. Have you noticed what it is? It's technology. Have you noticed? Everything else seems to be going down. Moral quality, spiritual quality, ethical. Everything is going down. But innovation and no, whether it, it is mind-boggling. Think for a minute. Just think. This is just a teaser, okay? If this is what the fallen man is able to do, what is the new man going to do in eternity? That's it. Do we know what God is saying? What do you think the new man is going to do in eternity? This will be like child's play. And God will open up the universe to his children and says, you know it. Do. Create. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. Create. There's no sin at all. Create. Everyone release into their... Do you think what Sammy will be doing with sound system? <laughs> <laughs> How many cameras Richie will be trying to handle over there? Okay. And no competition, no jealousy, no envy. He says you do innovate the new man with the mind of Christ. That is what is coming. No, so we need to realize honestly, you have to read accounts of ancient saints. Their excitement when death was getting closer and closer. Not panic. They were so excited to go. So excited. We only have scripture. No, there are other records of others. The more the death came closer, the excitement led. They used to call their families and say, I'm seeing angels, I'm seeing visions, I'm going home. And the families were so comforted. It was not a time of sorrow and grieving. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, these saints, you know, yeah. so they actually, the ones with weak in faith actually knew their father was going into a land of incredible joy and let us say opportunities. Mm-hmm. So there was, no, this is how we have to see life. Mm-hmm. If you don't see through the eyes of faith, you know what, we'll get depressed. We'll get discouraged. Because like I said, death is not an end. It is the actual beginning. Mm. But faith is what makes you see that way. Otherwise, if you see death as an end, you'll waste your life. If only you see death as a beginning, you will be useful. You will have a goal and a purpose. You have to see death is not the end. Death is the beginning where God will start rewarding all those who are faithful and says, yes, you take charge of five, you take charge of ten, you take charge of twenty. You know what? His opportunities are increasing. It doesn't matter how much opportunity you have, success, you are Elon Musk. That dude again became number one. Did you see it? Mm. He had lost so much. He's back to number one. But even he, at the end of the day, is tired and he will have to fall asleep. Right? And then he back into tension, trying to keep the number one position. You are receiving a body Never tired. I don't think you have to sleep. No sleep. No weariness. No sweat. No fatigue. Nothing. And a mind that is like God's universe expanding. Think about a life like that. Now, you're, honestly, I'm telling you, you have to keep thinking about heaven. Otherwise, you'll get miserable. Even if you're the richest man in the world, you will be miserable. Look at Soros and all. He's a sorry man. Look at him, 92 years old, still plotting evil, how to bring regimes down. Got no other business, no? That is, God is still extending the life of these wicked people, hoping they will repent. 
He didn't know what to do. He became too successful too early. The thing is that, <laughs> the thing is that honestly, I mean, if you look at practical terms, is that it's a, his father fought all the battles for him and left him no battles. See, in the book of Judges, God says, I will not give you victory over all the enemies. I will give, leave some enemies in the so land that so that other generations prove. will learn how to fight. Yeah. But by the time Solomon became king, David had finished up all the enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody left. Second, he has amassed so much fortune to build the temple. God only, this is a man, sharp man, okay? God said, you cannot build the temple. He said, you cannot accumulate things for the temple. <laughs> so except for building the temple, everything else David did, including the plan. Yeah. When Solomon became king, lumber is everything is ready and the plan is also ready. All he has to execute the project. No battles to fight, nobody to, so he didn't know what to do. He had no goal, no purpose. Okay, no purpose. Yet God's promises, if it's if it's uh, Kings four twenty five. First Kings. Okay, Solomon would begin, right? Yeah. First Kings 4.25, is it 4.25? Got it? 25. Yes, look at that. And Judah and Israel dwell safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree from Dan as far as Beersheba all the days of Solomon. God's promise was fulfilled. Mm. It is like the millennium reign during mm. Solomon's reign. Every man had his house, his plot, his olive tree and his fig tree, his wine and his fig tree came to pass in Solomon. These things should stick in your head. Why is Solomon put as a prototype of Christ's millennium reign is that in Solomon's reign, the temple is built. Every man has his house. Every man has his farm. Every man has his wine tree and his fig tree in all the days of Solomon. Israel has reached the zenith of its prosperity. There is no poor man in Israel. Nobody without a house. Nobody without his farm. Nobody without his wine and fig tree are symbols over there. Nobody in Israel. So God is fulfilling his promises through it all. This is where we need to understand. Even if the leaders were unfaithful, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. So it all happened, but you know what? He didn't have a goal. And his issue was this. I would, I look at, I look at David and I look at Solomon. His issue was that. He was not a worshipper. He's not a worshipper. This is why worship is so inter- important in life. Where God says God is looking and seeking to also <coughs> worship him. 
David was a worshiper. See, when you worship, your focus is God. Mm. So he never lost focus. His focus and his goal was God. If God is your goal, you will never run out of goal. Your purpose, because God is your so purpose. Huge. Mm-hmm. Okay, Solomon was not a worshiper. Not a worshiper. He was wise. He was very wise. He was very wise. So he did so many things, but worship was never in his heart. You will, you will see. You have the song of Solomon, but he's singing about women. Yeah. You don't see worship songs from Solomon. Okay, so these are simple things which we need. This is why we keep telling, you know, make it a habit to wake up in the morning and to worship God. Mm. Let it become your discipline. Because you know what? Worship is the core of what we are. We are. What happens is that you will never lose sight of God. You will never lose sight of your purpose, of your goal. Because to the Samaritan woman, what is what is God seeking? Okay, it's very interesting, right? We are told, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are told to seek. But what is God seeking? 423, right? Yeah, 423. John. John 423. God is seeking worshippers, yes. <coughs> yeah, okay. For the hour is coming, now is, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship. God is looking for worshippers. Worshippers. If you are a worshipper, I am telling you, you will never run out of steam in your life. Mm. It doesn't matter how old you become. You will never run out of steam. Because, because you know what? There is somebody who is seeking you mm. always. Yeah, there is There is a reciprocal. You are seeking God and God is seeking you. There is an always an encounter that goes on in the spiritual realm, and there is an infilling that takes place. These are simple, simple. These are not even secret. They look like secret, but this open before our eyes, but we are not able to see. Mm-hmm. Simple there before us, and you take it by faith and you practice it. One day, two days, three days, one week, two week, one month. After some time, you realize, you know what? Something has happened to me inside. You know what? I enjoy life. Because God has become my life. And I'm able to handle my situations better than before. Trouble doesn't look like trouble. Trials doesn't look like trouble. Tribulation doesn't look like... Even prison looks like good. Even prison look. I mean, if you look at the places, if you listen to Paul's letters or in the um, book of Acts, or incidents, you would want to be in prison with Paul. If... If this is what you experience in prison, I want to go to prison with him. Right? You look at it. <coughs> and if you look at it, what is it? It is. It is worship. It is worship. And that's, that's where see, they say, they honestly, the ancient teachers say, the most powerful form of spiritual warfare is praise. More powerful than anything else, it's praise. It's a, it is to us praise that brought the power of the Holy Spirit into the prison. The most powerful. Actually, in your absolutely dark situation, by faith you are able to worship and praise God. The Bible says, enter his gates with, and his courts with. Praise. You have entered into his courts. There has to be a response from God. 
God has to respond. Because once you have come into the courts, God has to respond. And this is God has to respond. Because that is praise in an unthinkable situation. And the Bible says everything fell open. That's what Jehoshaphat is doing. All he's doing is praising. He's doing, doing nothing. So these are lessons which we apply into our own lives daily by entering our, starting our day with thanksgiving and with praise. So if you look at many of Jesus' miracles, he did nothing, just gave thanks. And it opened the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just thanked God. And things happened. But you know where it's coming? It's not coming from his head, no. It's coming from his heart, absolutely. Life. But you have to practice it for a season of time, and then it becomes life. And then you realize, you know what? Thanksgiving opens doors. My father is my father is satisfied when I thank him. It's opening a door. It's, and praise opens even more tougher doors. No? Prayer opens doors. These are all things. Peter probably was tired. Whatever happened, he fell asleep. But the church was praying. So prayer opened doors. So you need to, because what do we want? We want doors open, right? And we see Thanksgiving opens doors, praise opens doors, prayer opens doors. So we take it by faith. Take it by faith. Okay? And leave it to God how we will do it. Earthquake will come and open the doors, or angel will come and open the doors. Leave it to God the method he uses. But you have to believe it does open doors. It doors open doors. And if at the end of it is death, death opens the biggest door for me. Even death is an open door. I'm going home. I have nothing to fear anymore. My work is done, finished. If you don't see life that way, it is a life of faith. That's what Paul is talking about. The life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's He living, it's I living, we are living together. Okay, nevertheless, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The, the faith, life, life, which I now live in the flesh. Here flesh means body, not the other term flesh. Which I live in the body. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This, actually if you take all of Paul's 13 epistles or 14 if you want to include Hebrews also, this is the central theme of his life. The entire Romans 1, all the way to Philemon, you can say, give me one scripture on which you can say, Paul centered his entire life is Galatians 2.20. This is his secret. How did Apostle Paul become a paradigm of faith? How did he become an example of an overcomer is Galatians 2.20. This is what he practiced. And God says, look at a man. Of course, you will say, my son is there, but a man who followed my son, here is he. So we stop for today, Pastor Vijay. Yes, sure. Okay. So it doesn't matter how bad it looks, whether you are listening, you are in the hospital, ICU, prison, wherever you are, it ain't over until God says it's over. Hallelujah. And with God, it's always good. And He is always good. And we can be absolutely grateful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Salvation is a gift. Amen. If it was, salvation was the reward. Let me tell you, you would have never earned it. Mm, impossible. Impossible. None of us would have ever mm-hmm. earned it. Thank you, Lord. Salvation is a gift. And we can rejoice in that gift of salvation. I tell people, even if you enter into heaven with no rewards, it is any day a better place than hell. <laughs> Any day better. You want to go to hell where the fire and the worm never goes out? No. 
Don't worry, just get saved and after that let God, trust God. He will work it out in your life. But get in. Get in first. Just trust God and get in. And then we shall work about goal and purpose and all. First get in. <laughs> Before we start thinking about job and career, go to school first. Get in. <laughs> then we shall talk about it. God is good. All the time. All the time. Let it be a conviction in your heart, okay? Really in your heart. Lord, you are good all the time. Doesn't matter what I feel or go through. Nothing changes you who you are. You are good all the time. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you. Doesn't matter, Lord. What happens, we understand, we don't understand. We stand on that rock. God is good. And he's good all the time. He's merciful, he's gracious, he's compassionate towards his children. Mm. Your hands are always outstretched towards us, Lord. Even today, Father, I pray, touch. Touch those, Father, who are in the ICU. For you are their life. You are our healing and our help. Our deliverance and our deliverer. You are our everything. Touch them. Pray your life will flow into those places. Put a hedge of protection around your children, Lord. Saturday, prepare us for tomorrow. For us, this is the day of preparation for the Lord's day that comes tomorrow. Mm. Let everyone's hearts and minds be prepared so that when we come, it will be a time of celebrating the love of our Father through His Son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will have the liberty to work in our hearts and our minds, Lord. Touch the worship team. Touch everyone who ministers. Touch everyone who comes. Everyone who listens online. Touch, Lord, everyone. For, Lord, we just want to experience you. You, Lord, you are our life. We wanted that statement to be actually true one day from our heart and our mind. You Lord, are our life. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. I speak your healing, Mm. your peace, and your rest to everybody and every heart. Thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen.